This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Let them take care of dinner with their ready-to-heat meals. And in fact, they're introducing two new meals that have been added to the menu, a poke bowl dinner and a bistro sandwich dinner. Uh, the poke bowl dinner comes with two types of poke, rice and toppings to create your own bowls. The bistro sandwich is a ham and gruyere and caprice san- sandwiches, uh, as well as sides. You can pair these with a bottle of rosé on your patio. It's It's been fairly nice lately. Uh, if you order by noon, you can have same-day curbside pickup between 3 and 7 o'clock. Meanwhile, one of the things we love most about Zupans is that they're constantly bringing in new things. That includes the spring produce. Yes, it is springtime. Uh, local produce coming in just arrived in the store. Local asparagus from Washington and organic green garlic and ramps. And, ooh, this is the one I'm most excited about, Nola's Donuts. Get a taste of Nola's brand new donut, a classic yeast raised donut featuring vanilla and chocolate glaze, maple bars, and donut holes. Sounds so good, and I'm putting that on my list for this weekend. Speaking of which, on your next visit, don't forget they have adjusted hours so that employees can be uh, better cleaning and restocking the shelves. I would also throw out a reminder that in this environment, be sure to keep your shopping to a minimum. Go in, do your shopping, get out. Not time for browsing. Uh, And don't forget to thank the employees that are there to assist you. Obviously, they're kind of right there out there and still in the public working amongst all of us doing their best. And we appreciate it. So uh, get store hours. Find the one nearest you, which, of course, is on McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego, and always Zupans.com. Hello, this is Chris Angelus, and you're listening to Right at the Fork. This is the Right at the Moment series uh, that we've been recording since the pandemic started. Uh, Our last recording before it started, or just on the cusp, was with Chef Philippe Boulot of the Multnomah Athletic Club. And uh, we've just referenced... Um, the coronavirus in that interview, which will be running um, in a couple of days as the second part of this two-part interview series. We thought it was a good idea, as long as we've been doing this right at the moment series, which covers more newsy outlook of what's been going on with different restaurants and chefs since uh, COVID-19 hit us with a fury. Um, we thought it'd be a good idea to record another addendum, so to speak, or pre-dendum with uh, Chef Boulot beforehand, just to see what's been going on at Multnomah Athletic Club with his job and his outlook since he's been in the Portland food world since the 90s, um, and thought we'd like to hear from him about what his thoughts on how people are handling it and... Um, where we go from here. So where we go from here is a short uh, 30 minute, I don't think it's short, but it's shorter than usual, 30 minute interview with Chef Philippe, who I had the great fortune to really get to know a couple of years ago on a travel Oregon and uh, feast Portland uh, trip to Southern Oregon. We went to the Oregon Caves, we went to Medford, um, we went out to the southern Oregon coast to Bandon 
and uh, Gold Beach and some other areas. And we got to spend some quality time together getting to know one another. We're in a, we're in a similar age group, um, but we came from completely different cultures and uh, converged here in Portland in the food world. <laughs> him serving or him preparing and uh, being one of the greatest chefs we have in Portland and my dining. So, and in this case, uh, interviewer and interviewee. So this is the first part of the Philippe Below interview series, I guess we'll call it. Uh, the next one will run right after this. For those of you who are listening in the moment, that would be Thursday. If you're listening to our archives, it will be the next episode. Uh, so if you want to hear Chef Philippe's background and talk about uh, the Portland food world since the 90s, that one will cover that. Uh, or some of it anyway. Um, he's truly one of the uh, um, icons of the Portland food world. And what I meant to say, what I was about to say is just gracious gentlemen that I've had the good fortune to meet since uh, 2010 when I found myself interested in the Portland food world and started doing things like Portland food adventures and this podcast, which is now in year seven. Um, I might note, if you haven't listened up till now, for the past couple of months, this particular interview is being done in rudimentary fashion, uh, simply uh, having Chef on the speakerphone, on my cell phone, and recording it with another phone. We will be getting back to our professionally recorded um, methods at some point. Uh, in the meantime, we're looking into... Uh, different ways that might yield a more positive experience for you. But we think you can hear Philippe's voice, and I think most of us are used to uh, impro improvisation at this point in time. So we're doing our best to continue to bring the podcast to you with relevant content, especially relevant to the moment. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how... Uh, these interviews that we've recorded during the coronavirus will stand up over time, whether people really are interested in hearing about this a year from now. Uh, I don't know, but we'll see. They're there, and they're going to be there. So that's been our last two months have been primarily covering the coronavirus, and we're going to, with this interview with Chef Boulot, ease back into the interviews that we recorded before this happened. Um, because I think people probably are ready to get back to some degree of normalcy. Man, I've said that phrase too many times. So um, anyway, uh, this interview really enjoyed with Philippe. It went longer than we planned, and I'm adding to it now, going into minute six of this intro. Um, we appreciate your listening to the podcast um, for the last six years, but especially bearing with us over the last two months when I know people are looking for new things to listen to and new, th new things to do to occupy their time. Uh, I might add, you might want to go and take a look at some of the archives of chefs in their homes um, providing uh, cooking demonstrations. I particularly have enjoyed uh, Gabriel Rucker's, John Gorham's. I love Javier's at Ordinata. They're well-produced. They're shorter than the others, and they'll give you some excellent recipes that 
aren't too difficult that you can make at home. Um, and I know quite a few other chefs have been doing them as well. I also have found myself really enjoying uh, Nandu Jubani's, which is a which is a, a chef who owns restaurants in Spain where we visited with Portland Food Adventures. Um, and uh, I don't speak the language. I understand some of it, but he's such a positive and fun guy. Those uh, chef demos of um, Chef Nandu Jubani, you can look those up, have been great too. And I also invite you to go check out Portland Food Adventures. I don't know how many people are booking trips right now, but I think we're all getting a little cabin fever, and we have a few next year there for you to enjoy, um, one especially in Sicily in May, which we originally had planned for October. So uh, there's my self-promotion, and now we move on to Chef Philippe Below of Multnomah Athletic Club. Hello, bonjour, Philippe. Uh, who's that? It's Chris. Angela. Oh, Chris. Oh, okay. So that was somebody else. Okay, how are you doing? No, I guess I guess I threw you off by speaking my little bit of French that I know. Okay, uh, to you. très bien. Uh, I've been doing. I'm I'm well. How are you? Très bien, merci. Oh, do you want to do the whole thing in French? Then I can go back to seventh grade and flail. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> I, I need to, re you know, that would be the easiest language for me to relearn, but, oh, yeah? uh, but I haven't done that. But I appreciate it, and I appreciate the beauty of the language. And when I do go to France, the one, one nice thing is I may not be able to speak, speak the language very well, but I can understand menus. So, ah. so yeah, you have the food and the wine language. I, mostly the food language, but the wine, uh -huh. you know, the wine I can let the uh, sommeliers uh, help me with. Over the, yes, of they course. can take care of it. So listen, I appreciate your taking the time today to uh, get on the phone and do a little bit of an addendum to our earlier podcast that was recorded on March 9th. And yeah. uh, in that podcast, we talked, we were just starting to worry about the uh, COVID-19. It wasn't something that where anybody had closed anything yet, but it was something that we were aware of. So, Correct, yeah. So a lot has I happened. I think that was the last one you did live, actually. That's what you told me. Yes, we were the last one that we did in the studio. You were the last interview we had in the studio. And I miss the studio, and I miss court, too, as well. So, oh, yeah. um, But that was the last one, and... Yours was scheduled to run not long after we recorded it, and then we decided that it seemed strange in the midst of all the restaurants scrambling and no one really thinking that the restaurant world was what it was to, um, to just run some interviews that weren't really uh, addressing what was happening. So since then, we've had a number of interviews with some prominent restaurateurs and chefs in Portland talking about how they've dealt with the, uh, the pandemic. And, uh, and we're going to start going back to our regularly scheduled programming soon, which would include the interview we did with you, which okay. was, which was a great interview. And we appreciated your coming in. We know you're a busy man. 
Um, you're running. Well, obviously, the Mac Club is not open right now, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Actually, should I call it the Mac? I just call it the Mac because the C is club. So yeah, it's with Noma Athletic Club. Right, it's a little redundant to call it that. So anyway, uh-huh. you're not open now, and you've been home. What have you been doing with yourself this entire time? Oh, are you registering now? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I do some cooking class. I do some uh, cooking little pictures. I'm planning the reopening of the club and the restaurant. I'm keeping in touch with employees. I'm trying to figure out basically how we can uh, get back in business. How do how, how many employees were? How have you handled the employees? Uh, all the employees of the Mac uh, were paid until uh, the end of April, and uh, the club kept. Uh, Hundreds uh, of essential employees, 93, I think, as today, to work on the reopening and because they have no revenue and we need to uh, limit the damage, basically, of, of this closure. And uh, we are now, we are on the, we are waiting for the city. We're waiting for the state and waiting for federal to give guidelines. The club is not a five restaurant in there, but we don't operate as restaurant because it's private. We operate as a club. So it does have different rules as restaurants. And uh, our, our primary focus is to keep the members and the staff uh, safe and healthy. So when you say so, when they come out with the guidelines for restaurants, you I don't know that it doesn't seem like the government's given a lot of thought to a lot of things. So, do you think they're gonna they're going to include a club like the Mac in their guidelines, or will you, as you just mentioned, you don't generally adhere to the same uh, guidelines as restaurants? But do you think there will be some in place for you, or you think you're gonna have to? You're going to have to make your own way. Yeah, it looks like uh, we can't do anything until we have guidelines. The club has 22,000 members, and it's a private restaurant, so that's what we are. And we're going to have to wait for the city and the states to give a clear guideline and safety guideline. And even though we'll have to uh, look at that and make sure it makes sense, to keep the members and the employees safe. Yeah, well, that's... So do you have any idea now um, when you're thinking of reopening? And you don't know exactly how that will look, but is there a timeline in place? The the thing in charge of the opening for all of us, actually, it's uh, COVID-19. Nobody knows exactly what it is and how it's going to work, so... Uh, every day it's changing. It's hard to do, uh, uh, to, to view what's going to happen. It looks like the club might think about reopening in July or maybe earlier or maybe later, depending on how that thing evolves. And, uh, first the city is going to have to decide, uh, how, uh, it needs to reoperate. Then the governor also is going to give guidelines. And also federal, so there's a lot of things to consider before 
how we bring people in such a close environment uh, and make sure they are safe. So I think that we are in the process of figuring that out. Yeah, it's uh, you're it's interesting because you have, um, you know, you've got a big operation there that isn't only you know you've got a few restaurants, but also workout facilities and all those social distancing regulations yeah. are coming into play. And I would imagine, you know, it, it causes you to think because if one just imagines the space at the Multnomah Athletic Club. You start thinking of places like the, you know, the art museums and so forth. They have some of the same considerations that they have yeah. to deal with. Big public space, and I really don't know how it's going to be. I'm not the general manager, and uh, the director's team is going to figure it out. Me, I'm just waiting for the direction uh, of what it can be done to figure out how to buy food, how to process food, how to get customers in and out safely, and how to bring people back uh, when we ramp up volume and when to do that. Yeah. It's been interesting for me to see restaurants in town doing takeout, you know, and having their cooks and their staff uh, work for a couple of order takeout. Um, I, I don't know if it's a safe way to do business. But uh, Superstore and uh, like New Seasons, Zoop and all that, they operate their restaurants. And uh, it's to wonder how safe it is to do that. Yeah, well, some have tried, like our friends at Urdaneta. They did take out for a week or two and then decided, just as you're saying, it wasn't worth the risk, the unknowns, to have their employees within close proximity and then... They just weren't comfortable having a table outside with pickup um, for folks. So um, I guess time will tell. But the nice, I, I think the nice thing is we're, it seems like we're starting to talk about the end of all of that and the beginning of some degree of normalcy coming back. But again, you just mentioned you're, you're thinking about July. That's still two months away as a general well, that's starting just point. A, a white target for us to to get uh, things in order. But truly, the virus and uh, anything can change any time. We have seen things changing on a daily basis. So right. it's really, truly very hard to give a, a timeline on what can happen. You know, it's interesting. So you have so much experience in restaurants and food. And this is one thing that you haven't had experience with or they never taught you in whatever, you know, school or when you were growing up, they never taught you about how to handle a pandemic. So everybody, you know, when we're talking about serving takeout only food, everybody's just trying whatever they think might work and trying to survive in this, too. But you've had you've had the luxury of not having to figure out the finances of the Multnomah Athletic Club just... Well, all our staff got laid off, so, so I'm super concerned for their well-being, but it looks like it's applied for employment uh, and uh, and really for that it's quite a decent income to a point where I wonder how we're going to bring back people uh, to make less money than they make under unemployment. Right, but so, the unemployment won't I don't go know on for, won't do that. The unemployment won't go on forever. So the employees, uh -huh. I think, will have to... That's a tough call. The government, 
uh, just, you know, didn't see everything coming. So the catch 22, the, the restaurants and the, you know, um, food service companies and their employees are all in a catch 22 situation. They're, you know, you, a lot of them applied for federal relief. And in order to get that relief and have it uh, forgiven, they have to pay employees. Well, how do they get those employees back when those employees are probably making more now on unemployment, staying at home with their families than they are going into work? And then you don't have any work for them to be able to pay them. Yeah. So they can, so they, uh, you know, so you can have your federal loan, the PPP loan forgiven. It, it's all a really strange catch 22. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how small restaurants are going to be able to, to make it through and how to get organized. But I still, um, question the, the, is it worth it for them to do takeout? For the little money it brings, and and maybe not being that safe, you know. Right. I, I, I don't know. There's like it, it's it looks like we have a lot to learn about what's going to happen. So right. I don't know. Well, everybody's got their own situation. I know. Um, you know, at the Toro Bravo Group, their first order of business was to help they had so much food was to disseminate that to people who really needed it which included the hungry and their employees who at the at the time had no income whether or not they were going to get unemployment there was a long period of time where there was no cash flow for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so they started doing that so everybody's got their own objectives and goals and they were learning along the way so i just i just hope that we don't have to do this again Uh, it's not another wave of this and that we have, you know, COVID-22 coming down the pike. So, um, you know, there's a lot of questions, lots of to figure out, uh, and the scope of it change every day. So it's very hard to, to just do a prognostic and just stick to it. Right. No, it's hard. It's hard for everything and everyone. So, um, most of my employee, uh, uh, would be just either eager to come back to work just to have work and and, and feel good at doing something so right and i think uh, that that's your answer to them deciding to come back to work or take a little bit maybe a little bit more in unemployment is that it's a if you're offering them jobs back and they don't come back um, first of all, if they don't accept the job that you offer them, there goes their unemployment. And secondly, oh, yeah. secondly, they don't have a sure job offer coming at them. Um, so they're probably well advised to take the job offer from the company that employed them before rather than try something new. But who knows? It's all up who in knows? the air. Have you um, – so – is there anything that you've been able to do stopping and smelling the roses? Cause you're a busy man and obviously you've been spending more time at home. Anything that you have realized throughout this uh, period that you want to, you may want to practice going forward in the future to make your quality of life a little better. Yeah. I figure out that uh, I'm not, too good at staying to do nothing so eventually when i retire i'm going to have to make sure i stay busy uh i i need to stay occupied uh because it drives me crazy to just wander at home 
There's so much gardening and book reading you can do, but nothing replaces the action of uh, cooking and the excitement of busy service and and planning food for large quantity and talking to the public. That's very important to me now. Right. Well, yeah. So, so it's interesting all the things. I don't necessarily know that we took them for granted, but that we surely appreciate now that we didn't have them. There's so many little things that that we didn't have. So, but you, I know in our interview that we're going to hear in a moment, um, that you have a lot of interests. You like to hunt and fish, and you'd already decided when you retire, those are things you were going to be doing. So it's not as though you just realized this this week. Oh, that's correct, yeah. Uh, there's so much you can do by fishing and hunting, but it's hard to replace the excitement of the industry. And, uh, I, I, I mean, you can go fishing there, but I need a couple of days in doing something. But there's a lot to do in terms of charity, uh, in terms of uh, cooking class, in terms of mentoring, in terms of coaching, in terms of uh, uh, helping purveyors and in terms of like I'm on the Oregon Beef Commission, talking to ranchers and figure out uh, issues, getting involved with the community at so many different levels. And there'll be more, there'll be a lot. There's be some new issues on the table, no pun intended, with uh, yeah. the Oregon Beef Commission and a lot of these companies who have really some new issues coming to light now, um, and uh, with with a lot of employees that are close together and uh, some viral problems that they're going to have to deal with coming coming out of this, too. So Yeah, and it's a new way of uh, working in the industry, in the food industry at large. Uh, separation of space, uh, a new hygiene regulation, how to handle the distribution of food when it comes to your place, it comes into boxes, maybe you have to keep the boxes outside, how many people you let uh, come into your kitchen, what are the point of contamination, what you have to watch for, do you have to wear masks, do you have to wear gloves. Do you think you, you think you'll be wearing masks in the kitchen onto the into the indefinite future? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's kind of uh, isn't that kind of tough in a hot kitchen in the summer to be adding well, a mask to the equation? Kitchen and restaurant are going to have uh, to find a way to operate differently. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, financially, I don't know how people do that because a restaurant needs to work at capacity to make money. So when you cut your uh, restaurant by just reservation or uh, space the table, or uh, like when you do uh, Thanksgiving or Mother's Day for 800 people on buffet, for example, those, those days are over. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, though, I can understand that, but I also wonder, aside from regulations, if pe over time people will go back to their old ways of doing things. But there may be regulations in place that prevent that. So, um, yeah, we'll see. until they find a way to, um, to control COVID-19, it's going to be different. Right. And God forbid it gets worse. Yeah. I mean, right now we have quite a good discipline of uh, people staying apart, but 
as soon as we ramp up the business and people get all back together, ooh, can you imagine? Well, let's hope we let's hope by then there's testing in place and all the things that can keep it yeah. uh, the widespread uh, problems at bay. But we don't know that yet. So I'm looking forward to as we spoke earlier today in advance of this conversation. I'm really looking forward to the day where I can say, uh, Philippe, let's go grab a bite. And we can do that uh, without lots of planning and lots of worry. So um, I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, on the positive side, as soon as they find a cure or they can control that uh, virus, it could be an explosion of people going out and playing and wanting to do stuff. So it could rebound very fast. Yeah, if people, uh, and, and if, I, hope, I hope that's the case. As long as people have the income and didn't get hurt too badly from this, but um, but yeah, I think that's. I think everyone is just. You know, I see on my Facebook feed all the time the previous year's visits to restaurants, and man, it all looks so good and appealing, and not so much, not only for the great food that was out there, but just the social experience, and that for me. You know, I can have good food here, and <laughs> I'm not cooking it, but I can re-prepare re some of the food that I've that I've purchased. But I can't have the social experience uh, here, and it's that I just want to have, and I certainly want to travel again, and I want to be able to have my food events again, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, those are up in the air. I decided to stop thinking about them for a little while because I can't make any decisions or plans on those right now. Yeah, so. it's a new just wait for something to happen and it's hard to not plan ahead like that your short-term planning for a couple months are just like maybe the long-term planning or you can't think about it. it it's a very strange feeling yeah it's really uh it's it's something that i don't think i've had to deal with before and uh, same thing for restaurants and they have you know a lot of employees who are relying on them in addition to their patrons who want to get back in so um, it's difficult, but I understand you've been uh, keeping yourself. You said you've been doing some cooking things online, like some of our other friends. So that's good. I hope I can get wind of a couple of your uh, cooking classes, and I hope they're not too complicated. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hope we can see that soon. But um, uh, here's wishing that we again. Here's looking forward to when we can actually get together. I really appreciate your taking the time, get to know, you know, think about how we met, which was in Southern Oregon on a trip sponsored by Feast and Travel, uh, yeah. Portland, Travel Oregon. And, you know, I just spoke with Mike Thielen. He's, uh, he's an interview that will have run by the time this ran, so you can hear that. They've got uh -huh. Feast, they've got Feast they're dealing with. Um, oh my God. And what, yeah. to, what to do with Feast. But then what I, what I was about to say is think about how we met on that wonderful trip. We were sitting side by side on a bus, going to great yep. restaurants, hiking. And those are things at the time we didn't think twice about. And now I can't wait to do something like that again. It was great. So. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That was so nice to do. I hope we can do that again oh, soon. I hope so, too. And I'm sure that uh, the folks at Feast hope they can put that together again soon. But as Mike described it, Feast this year is not going to look like it has in past years, but perhaps 2021. Yeah, I can imagine uh, lines and lines of people 
standing six feet apart. Yeah, going but, through that, that would be weird. Well, not only that, but you know, in order to do that properly, they have to start setting everything up now, and also oh, yeah. start selling tickets, which they can't do. So, feast is gonna oh. is going to be. They're going to figure something out, probably for the industry, but it's not going to be, and, and probably some way to help charities, but it's certainly not going to have the night market and, and, and smoked and those, those things. They have, to, they have to arrange the chefs coming into town now, and they can't do that because, again, they don't know how it's going to look in September. So oh, yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago, we were trying to plan Mother's Day for 800 cover buffet. Canceling it was just like unthinkable, and boom, it's done. No Mother's Day. Yeah. And soon we have to get organized for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for me, it's like 3,000 meal between all the restaurant and the to go. Right. So I'm like looking at that, and how how can you even prepare that much food in? Uh, uh, respecting the spacing and uh, controlling the employee. I mean, it's very hard to wrap, wrap your head around stuff like that. When, when will you have to know to do that? At what point do you have to have things, knowledge in place uh, to be able oh. to start ordering and prepping and planning? By September, you need to start to merchandising. Right now, you need to budget for it, kind of figure out uh, what it's going to cost, are you going to advertise, and how you're going to make it work. In September, you need to start to pre-order, get the logistics, make sure you have the table, the staff, the glassware, the beverage, the printing, and uh, the food available in quantity, negotiate pricing. Right. And uh, that would happen almost a month, two months before it happened. The boxes to package that stuff, and which needs to be custom made. Right. Just like, oh. And, you know, uh, and you, these are big events for the Mac, so you want to so do them, and, yeah. and your membership looks forward to it. So it's not easy yeah. to just say, like you've ended up doing with Mother's Day. It's not an easy decision to say we're not doing Mother's Day this year, and then on top of that, no, we're going to skip Thanksgiving, and then you get into Crab Month and Lobster Month, and uh, yeah, 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 that's and that's all the sport event and all the banquet space, all the big uh, event. Right now, it looks like you can't have more than ten people meeting. Then you're going to have fifty, but you know, like I say, it's changing on a daily basis, so. Tomorrow might be a different game, so you can't just jump the gun and say, no, you can't do that. You have to wait until the last minute to pull the plug, you know. Right. Well, I'm kind of like that. As you know, we spoke about it. I should be in San Sebastian right now, and I'm just thankful that we learned about this six weeks before the trip because had this happened the week before or the week we were in San Sebastian, I can't imagine what that would have been like. But now I have another trip that's sold out with the folks from Urdaneta to, San, to Bilbao and San Sebastian in late September. Well, just as you oh, said, wow. I, can't, I can't make a decision on that right now. I don't want to make a decision on that right now. We would like to do that trip if possible. 
but uh, yeah. but we're not. You know, it's late April, so I'm hopeful in a couple couple of months we'll have a better idea of what that looks like. So um, anyway, yeah. everybody's got their little challenges, and they are yeah. things that they never that we never thought of before. I never, in my wildest dreams, thought, okay, you're gonna need to cancel a trip and uh, move it a year out and see what happens. You know, we did have. 11 of 13 people stick with it. I think you'll have no problem when you have Thanksgiving and when you have Mother's Day again at the Mac have, getting people back. You're not going to have to convince people to come in and enjoy themselves. No, everybody is waiting, you know, and wants to be safe. And The thing we have, it's a big organization. To, is going, they're going to make it right. I'm not sure what it is yet, and I don't have the answers, but... Uh, there's a group of people that's very thoughtful and very organized, so uh, definitely we have a, a big organization behind that's going to make it right. Well, uh, I'm sure you are, and I, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people who rely on the, on the Mac for so much, so, um, and they appreciate your being there, so you'll make it through, and um, yeah, we will. we'll look forward to seeing you on the other side. I really appreciate your taking the time. We'll either okay, run, thank you. We'll either run the interview we co- recorded on March 9th um, just after this, or maybe we'll separate them by a week, because this went a little longer than I thought it was going to. So this is, okay. uh, so, um, but at any rate, thank you so much, and... Um, I will talk to you soon, and certainly just Thank call. Thank you, Chris. So, yes, and certainly just call if you have some idle time and feel like talking. Yeah, we we'll chat more. I'm I'm here, so uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Okay. Be safe. Thanks. All right. <laughs> bye bye. Au revoir. This has been Right at the Fork with your host Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson. This podcast is supported by Zupan's Markets, the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group and Ringside Steakhouse. You can support the Toro Bravo Inc. restaurant group by ordering takeout at some of their locations or by simply purchasing a gift card to use later. You can find out which restaurants are open for to-go orders and get those gift cards at torobravoinc.com. Ringside Steakhouse, a Portland institution for over 75 years, is looking forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, you can purchase gift cards on their website where they're now offering bonus gift cards For example, if you purchase a $300 e-gift card, you'll receive a $50 bonus dining gift card. And with the purchase of a $500 e-gift card, you'll get a $100 bonus dining card. You can get full details at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 